Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Are you ready for the word this morning? I want you to turn with me in your mind. Got some of you. I want you to turn with me in your mind to John chapter 3. Hold your place there and we'll arrive there shortly. But I want to talk to you today about the significance of a gift. The significance of a gift. We've all heard that Christmas time and this season in which we are currently in is called the season of giving. And it's true to form that it does seem that everyone's a little more generous this time of the year. I don't know if it's the sense of nostalgia or just uh, common courtesy that gives rise to our sense of benevolence this year. Uh, It could be that since Christmas comes in the wake of Thanksgiving, we've had plenty of time to reflect on the blessings of God in our own lives And realizing how blessed we are, then there's just a compulsion to be a blessing to others. Regardless of how it comes to be in our lives, though, there seems to be a desire uh, at this time of the year, even on the part of those who are struggling themselves, to reach out just a little further at Christmas time. And certainly, we all in this room have been recipients at some point or other of the goodness of other people. How many recipients do we have in the room today that you can say, you can point to a time or a place and say, I have received the goodness of someone else in my life. Someone else has been a blessing to me. They've given to me what I didn't have, what I couldn't afford. They've helped me out of a pinch, whatever the case may be. And, you know, I want to ask you, as, as a recipient, As someone who knows what it's like to have been blessed, to have received, how many of you have that one gift or maybe a few gifts that you remember, especially this time of year? You can think back to that childhood memory or, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a childhood memory, but there are those times when we're children, we wake up on Christmas morning, we find exactly what we asked for under the tree, and we are just absolutely stoked and excited about that. And uh, sometimes even in adulthood, we have memories of a time when we were desperately in need And some God-sent individual came through and blessed us at just the right time and in just the right way. And our needs were satisfied and we just, those gifts are so significant to us. Maybe there's been times that we found ourselves with our backs against the wall and time after time our needs have been supplied through the generosity of others. And, you know... As recipients, I think another thing that we could agree on or find a commonality in is that throughout all of this life and all of its blessings, sometimes and some ways, we find that some gifts seem more significant to us than others. We've been given a lot of things in our lives, and I'm sure there are some of them that we remember. It's not that we lack appreciation for any of those gifts. We're we're happy that somebody thought of us and 
maybe if we hadn't gotten anything, our feelings would have been hurt or we'd have been upset. Um, but just some of those gifts have a greater significance. Some of those gifts seem to us a little more insignificant. You know, somebody gives us something that was, it was great in the moment. Uh, it, it was fun while it lasted. It was tasty going down, you know, whatever, whatever the case. But we just simply don't remember the gift. They were, at least in our minds, insignificant. I want to talk to you for a minute today about the significance of a gift and in order to determine the significance of a gift, we've got to figure out what makes a gift significant. And, you know, why is it that we receive some gifts? I mean, just some people come to us and they give us certain things and we're holding it there in our hand and, and we're thinking to ourselves, you shouldn't have. No, no, seriously, you, sh you shouldn't have. I don't know what I ever did to deserve this. And, you know, maybe the immediate thought is, you know, uh, to whom shall I re-gift this? <laughs> or wonder where they got it from. I'd like to take it back. I mean, you know. <laughs> ASAP. And then there are some other gifts that we take in our hands and we say, sincerely. This is just what I needed. It, it fills my need. It is exact. I don't know how you knew, but thank God you knew. And, and we hold that gift as significant. And we value it and we have a higher esteem and appreciation for that gift. And there, there are several factors that cause gifts to be significant to us. And I want to share a few of those with you. One thing that causes a gift to be significant to us is, first of all, our need of the gift. If it's something that we need, then, then when someone comes to us with a gift and it fills that need, then, then that gift has a greater significance to us. Now, I want you to think with me here for a minute. I want you to take a trip with me all the way back to Grandma's house. Christmas time, over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go here for just a minute. And you're at grandma's house, it's Christmas time, and you open that box, and what I'm about to say, you guys, I know you can feel me on this, and you ladies, you'll just have to make a correlation some other way, but, but you guys, you, you fellas, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, but you open that thing, man, and there it is, a box of new socks. And you're thinking to yourself, well, I already got plenty of socks. I mean, back home, my sock drawer's full. But gladly, you take those socks, you receive them, you go home, and you throw them in the drawer with the rest of the collection. You know? Because the truth be told, while you do appreciate the gift, you really didn't need any socks. <laughs> and some of you, nah, nah. We'll, we'll keep our shoes on. We won't, we won't test that theory right now, okay? No. But then there are other times when you open that gift and you say, man, this is just what I needed. This is just what I needed. Now, the second, one of, a second factor in determining the significance of a gift, first is the need of the gift. Second is the desire for the gift. 
How many of you know sometimes we desire things that we don't necessarily need? But, but we have a desire for them. I want to ask you, did you, did you ever spend nights and... I, I feel so bad for some of our younger generation. And that is because Sears stopped publishing the wish book. Right? I mean, come on, some of you kids, you'll never, ever know what it's like to go to the mailbox and get out the wish book. I mean, that, come on, somebody help me here. Wasn't that the most amazing thing? Yeah, absolutely. To get that thing, man, and you would spend weeks just pouring through it and going through the sections of interest to you and just saying, man, I'd love to have that. I, that if I could have that thing right there, I mean, life would be complete. You know, my, my eight-year-old self, man, I, I would just be set right there if I could get that thing. But we spend those nights and, and looking at the pictures in the wish book or the sales papers and we're dreaming about what we would do if we could ever get our hands on that one whatever it is that we're dreaming about. And we desire it. Let's, let's go back to the pair of socks. Sometimes our desire concerning the pair of socks changes. And it brings a whole new significance to that gift because maybe, maybe they weren't that significant to you until you realized one day that last year's pair of socks were the last pair of socks that you'd ever get from Grandma and you wish really bad that you could get a pair of them this year. Then it changes the significance of that gift. Another factor in determining the significance of a gift is the cost of the gift. And we're going to look at the cost of the gift in two different ways. One of, first of all, is the, is the ter in terms of attainability. How many of you have ever received things that you wouldn't otherwise have had the opportunity to have had someone not given it to you? Sometimes it's because we just won't do it we we won't pull the trigger on that thing we we want it but there's always something that takes a higher priority in our lives i can't tell you the number of times in my life and my family that my wife and my kids will do that for me at christmas time if they know it's something that i want that i won't buy for myself because of whatever else i mean you know i try to be responsible and all you know meticulous and everything and just be like well I'll just wait because uh, you know we got other things and other stuff and everything they will go and and do that for me because that I take a higher priority at that time and I know some of you are you know have experienced that as well and sometimes we we can't get it ourselves just because we don't have the means to get it ourselves you know, we just can't get it because we couldn't get it. And when somebody comes in with one of those gifts that we just couldn't attain, man, that's significant. Because we know that if they hadn't come through with it, we would have never had it. Another way that we would measure the cost of a gift is in terms of sacrifice. Sometimes it doesn't matter how substantial the gift is, if we understand the depth of sacrifice that's associated with it, it brings a whole new cost value to us and, and we understand the significance of that gift. Listen, as a child, 
As a child, I never really understood the depth of sacrifice on the part of my parents to provide for me the things that I needed or even the things that I wanted. But now, as an adult, and they talk about a perspective shift, as an adult, as a parent now, many times knowing the resources that my parents had available to them, I just sometimes have to scratch my head in amazement and wonder and ask the question, how did they do that? How did they do that? I know how they did that. They sacrificed. They did without. They put themselves secondary and moved me to the primary spot in those occasions and they sacrificed. And it brings a whole new significance to the gift. It brings a whole different understanding to the the estimation of what has passed through my hands when I understand the terms of attainability and the sacrifice that was involved in bringing that to me. I, I just appreciate it. I appreciate it so much differently. Now, if you're like me and you have ever received gifts of significance that fall into some of this criteria then you understand that having received significant gifts, that those gifts create in us, because as I'm talking about it this morning, you're reflecting back to your childhood self, or maybe you're reflecting back to a life situation with which you are not far, very far removed, and you're thinking about some of those significant times in your life when the generosity of other people and God provided through the hands of others just, just began to flow into your lives, and it has created created in your mind and in your heart a lasting memory. It is forever etched in your mind. You can remember it. Come on, somebody. How many of you can remember those Christmases sometime when you got that little something extra special and you'll never forget it? It's, it's dear to you. You're, some of you are smiling right now because you're, you're thinking. You're thinking about Susie Talks a lot or whatever it was, you know. Mm-hmm. And you're just, you're pondering those things right now. Why? Because that significant gift has created in your mind a lasting memory. Maybe it wasn't even Christmas time. Maybe somebody just heard from the Lord and extended kindness to you in your time of need. Whatever the case, we need to understand that whenever a gift meets this criteria of significance, it creates in our minds a lasting memory. And I believe my task here today, and I'm, as I share this message, you're going to say, why are you sharing this message? This is so simple. This is so elementary. I can't believe that you had the platform on a Sunday morning, and this is the best you could come up with. I don't know, maybe you think that a lot. I don't know. But <laughs> nonetheless, I want to share with you a message this morning in simplicity because it is a spirit of religion that complicates things. It's a spirit of religion that wants to dig real deep and show you how intellectual and how smart I am. But it is the anointing of God and it is the word of the Lord that simplifies things and brings it to a point that even a child could understand. 
And today I have a very simple message and I believe I have a very simple task and that simple task today is not revealing a new thing to you but reminding you that the greatest and most significant gift that you could have ever received. I don't know what you're hoping for today. I don't know what you're longing for out of this season but I can tell you that the greatest gift you will ever receive has already been afforded you through the finished work of Calvary. Now, I want to remind you of the greatest gift ever given. And I say it's the greatest gift because of its significance. It's significant because it meets not one, but all of the aforementioned criteria. We needed it. We wanted it. We couldn't afford it. The cost was too great. It required a sacrifice that we couldn't make. And we needed it. Did I mention that? The greatest need that has ever been on the landscape of history is mankind's need for a Savior. It is the greatest need mankind has ever known, and that is the one of salvation. There was a time, there was a time when sinful humanity stood spiritually bankrupt before a holy God. In other words, there was a debt load on humanity that we had no means or no resources to repay. And it was, a, it was a transgression against God. And we had no way of taking care of that. In the book of Romans, Paul proceeds in the opening chapters of that book to lay charge to every race and every creed of man under the sun. And after he has done so, so, so marvelously laid out his case and his arguments against all of humanity, he finally comes to this charge and he says this in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I am a transgressor. I am a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. We're all broken. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter how high we've aimed, how far we've jumped, we've all fallen a little bit short. And because of that, there was a judgment that was against our lives. And Paul, writing to the church at Colossians, says that it was the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us. As a matter of fact, what is written on there is the charge of sinfulness that was in our lives of which we were guilty. And with that, a verdict was pronounced, a judgment, a sentence was handed down. And it was a sentence of death. Paul continues in Romans 6 and says that the wages of sin is death. The ordinance was a death sentence. But thank God Paul tells that church at Colossae, he says, but Jesus Christ has taken the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us and has nailed them to the cross. He's wiped it out. He's taken the death sentence away. And there was a time, we talk about these things globally. We talk about these things universally and they are universal truths. 
But what you and I need to grasp here today is that that universal truth is very personally applicable. It's not just that God so loved the world, but God loved me. God loved you. It wasn't just humanity that was sinful. I was sinful. You were sinful. It wasn't just me who had the handwriting of the ordinance against me, but it was you as well who had been charged, and rightly so, with this grievous transgression. And I had no way of justifying my wrong. I was guilty of the charge that was laid against me. I had no way to exonerate myself from the judgments that I was due. I needed salvation. We needed salvation. Our desire for the gift was great. (laughs) Because you see, when God found me, he didn't find a choir boy. He didn't find somebody just quoting scripture all the time and living just right and walking so straight. But he found somebody who was broken and someone who was undone and whose life was marred in sinfulness. And he called me out of that and he shone his light around me and revealed it to me. And it built in me a desire and an awareness of my state before him. And I cried out. It was from a place and a position of brokenness that I cried out. And I don't know your personal experience of salvation, but speaking personally, I know that there was a point in my life when the Lord dealt with me and he revealed to me my brokenness and he revealed to me my emptiness and I wanted deliverance from my sin. I wanted rest in the assurance that my eternity was secure and that heaven would be mine someday when I left this world, I wanted to find something that would fill the void in my life and something that would quench the thirsting of my soul. Maybe you're here today and church has been just been a part of your routine as long as you can remember, but there are some among us today and millions across this world who can think back to a time when the gnawing emptiness of a Christless life led them to the only place that they thought they might come close to finding something outside of the resources of this world that had led, left them empty, and the Spirit of the Lord drew them to a church or a Christian friend or perhaps a relative who could direct them to the Lord who could prophesy and speak the words of life to them and lead them to redemption when I got saved I wanted saving and the wonder of it all is though I needed it so bad and I wanted it so intently I could have never worked hard enough. I could have never sacrificed enough. It was absolutely unattainable and I had no fitting sacrifice to bring to satisfy the need. As far as attainability, this was certainly something that I couldn't do for myself. As far as sacrifice, I had nothing to offer by which to secure it for myself. Such sacrifice we see on Calvary that we understand the significance of this gift. 
Peter reminds us that it, it's that we are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. I want to share with you something here this morning. You may have been to church all of your life. You may be able to recite scripture. You may be able to tell all the Bible stories. You may be able to recount the significance and the parallelism of every Old Testament story and blend that into the New Testament truth. But if you don't have a but God moment in your life, then you're simply abiding in a vain and a dead religion. Your faith is in your own works. Your faith is in your own goodness. Because the person that has received the gift of God has a but God moment. I was broken and undone. I was lost. I was blind. I was hurting and I was broken. But God, but God, it's the only way that it could have come into my life. But God. Paul reminds us in writing to the Ephesians, he says this, but God. He talks to them about all of their brokenness and all of their sinfulness and all of the life that they had lived before coming to Christ. And then he says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses. Not when we had it all together. Not when, not when we had got ourselves up and pulled ourselves up by our own bootstraps and established some kind of righteousness for ourselves, at least some kind of stopgap so that God could meet us in the middle. No, 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 no. Uh -uh. He reached all the way. All the way. You see, sin created a gulf between us. Our sin had separated us from a holy God and he could have nothing to do in his holiness with our brokenness. But Jesus Christ came and shed his blood so that we could stand as justified and righteous before Almighty God and Jesus bridged the gap between us and now God can come near. And Paul says, but God who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved. What is grace? the unmerited favor of God somebody said that grace is defined as the unmerited favor of God someone else said that really grace is favor against merit because what we've done did not deserve the favor of God our merit doesn't position us well before God because what we deserved was that handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, that death sentence that Christ has nailed to the cross and taken away. That's what we deserved. 
That's what we deserve, but that's not what we got. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. That's why I told you, you've got to have a but God moment in your life. It's not of you. If you can't point back to a but God moment and say, I was all these things but God, then you need to revisit an altar. I'm not saying necessarily a specific place in a building, but I'm saying a place before God where your heart is reverenced before Him and you confess your sins to Him and you cry out to Him in repentance and you give your heart and life to Him. And you are changed, not by your own behavior, but by the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. This gift has certainly created a lasting memory in our hearts. I told you we were going to come around here, and I ask you to turn with me in your minds to John chapter 3. And I said John chapter 3, and your next thought was 16. Right. That's right. Why? Because you realize that you've received a gift that meets all the criteria. You needed it so bad. You wanted it so desperate. The cost, oh, it was out of reach. It was unattainable. The demand for sacrifice was more than you were equipped to give. It is such a significant gift that it has created such a lasting memory in our minds. From the walls of our mind this morning, I want us to read together and recollect the gift. For God so loved the world. Come on, help me that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? One of the very first verses any of us memorize as little children or new believers recounts the giving of this gift in such significance. Perhaps for you, this memory, you know, the the old adage is that familiarity breeds contempt. And that's not to say that we have a disdain for the gift. But it's just to say that sometimes we can just become so familiar with things that our appreciation for it can begin to wane and begin to pale. And let me tell you something, in this holiday season, there are so many things that are vying for our attention. There are family functions, there are traditions. There's finding that oh-so-perfect gift for all of our loved ones. There's trimming the tree. We had a great first service this morning. I told those first service people, I said, listen, you may want my man card after this is over. But I don't mind telling you, I, I enjoy a good Hallmark Christmas movie as much as the next gale. You know? I probably should not tell them, honey, that I forfeited Thursday night football for a Hallmark movie. I'm, I, that's a shameful statement. I'm sorry I said that. I felt like repentance would be good for the soul. 
But maybe you're here today and this, this memory has grown a little distant and, and in the haze of everything else that's flooding our lives right now in this season, you need to be reminded that more significant than anything that you'll unwrap that's going to come to you in a package or a box this year is the gift that is already yours through Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and you have no recollection of what it means to walk in the freedom of sins forgiven. We're going to give you an opportunity to know what that's like here in just a moment. Maybe you're here today and you've had to, you, you have no frame of reference as to what it's like to be loosed from the heavy bond of guilt. Today I want to share with you that salvation is just as close as the name of Jesus. Because John writes to the church and says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sure, there's Black Friday and Cyber Monday and holiday deals and the whole lot, but nothing, absolutely nothing, Nothing will ever compare to what's already yours through the finished work of Calvary. Why? Well, one day, one of two things is going to happen. We're going to leave this world and all of the material goods behind. And the only thing that's going to matter is our name or our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Have we accepted the free gift of God's grace and surrendered our heart and life to Him or not? The second alternative is that one day we're going to leave this earth in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And the only thing that's going to matter in that moment is are we going to be counted among the wheat or among the tares? And the difference will be, have we accepted the free gift that he has offered? This most significant gift ever offered to mankind or not? It's just that simple. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.